If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. It is Long Shots here on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, Kelly Bidlin coming to you. We are going to talk some U.S. Open from coast to coast here, baby. This is a, I mean, I have not been this excited for a tournament maybe I don't know what, in about a month? I don't know. Seriously, <laughs> also, seriously though, I, I'm very, very, very excited for this tournament. See how everything is going to play out. Stick around. We will give you not only what we f- feel like is the important statistics to look at this week in this tournament. We'll also give you our model, how those all shook out. And then, of course, we will give you our picks, not only from an outright perspective, from anything that we've got from a placement market, head-to-heads, et cetera, et cetera. So be sure and stick around for the entire hour. Mm-hmm. But... Let us kick things off here, Wes. We do have the LACC, the Los Angeles Country Club. And, guys, if you haven't tuned in and watched any of the flyover stuff on YouTube, I suggest you do that. It is going to be stunning. It is going to be gorgeous. Very rarely do we get a top 10 course in the world that shows up out of nowhere, and that's what we're getting here with LACC. Is a, You can go to any rankings there is out there. We, this is a very, very, very highly rated course and one that we might not see again in the rotation in our lifetime here, Wes. Yeah, we get prime time U.S. Open mm-hmm. golf uh, all four days, so that's good. To be, it's good to be on the West Coast now. On the East Coast, you might be getting sleepy at 11 when this goes off the air. But, yeah, first time the U.S. Open has been held in Los Angeles, actually. Actually, in 75 years when Ben Hogan won at Riviera in 1948. Uh, so this is uh, originally designed the L.A. Country Club, as you mentioned, Matt, originally designed by George Thomas, who was also the designer of Riviera. But this is not a facsimile of Riviera. This is a very different course. It's actually located right in the center of the city, right in the heart of Los Angeles, right off the famous Wilshire Boulevard. So the redesign of this, or the renovation, I should say, was done by Gil Hans, who seemingly is doing every major championship course right now for a renovation, did Southern Hills last year for the PGA, and they restored this. He and historian Jeff Shackelford restored this in 2010. Hans, if you look at, you know, just doing all kind of restorations, and what he did, reconstructed the greens and the bunkers and the tees, along with a restoration of what are called barrancas, which is defined as a small dormant riverbed that kind of looks like a gully and is usually dry unless you've had rain or any type of precipitation on the course. So par 70 of 7421 is the stock yardage, but the USGA will move up tee boxes, will move around pins. So don't take that yardage necessarily as gospel. What we get here, though, we get a rare course in Southern California. Number one, no water 
at all Mm -hmm. on this course. You get pretty wide fairways, and you get Bermuda rough, which you usually do not get not only in Southern California, but you usually don't get it really hardly anywhere on the tour. And it's going to be a little more penal because – most rough is like rye or it's Kentucky bluegrass, but this Bermuda, it'll grab the club, shut the face. Tough to get quality contact sometimes on the ball, especially around the green. You're seeing the rough there yeah. on the video <laughs> in the fairway. And, and, you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit less than we've seen in years past from a length standpoint. But as yeah. you mentioned, I mean, this is the first time that we've had it at the U.S. Open since 2005, Wes. And, and what you hear from tour players is they would take – eight inch rough of any other type mm-hmm. of grass over the three and a half to four inch. We're going to get with Bermuda for everything that you mentioned. Cause when it gets between yeah. the club face and the ball, thing could rock it. It Just, could right. skull. It could whatever. Like there's all kinds of, and it's there's just a so lot of elevation yeah. changes too on the course. So the balls are going to go everywhere out of this rough. This is going to be really unpredictable, which makes it fun. I think for a viewer, uh, chewed edge bunkers around the bent grass greens, about 7,500 square feet on average, 13 on the stint meter. So fast, Typical for U.S. Open. They slope mostly from uh, back to front here. So uh, you do get uh, the the Bermuda fairways as well. They're pretty wide, too, 43 yards wide on average. So probably can't get in all that much trouble off the tee, uh, but certainly there is danger looking if you're wayward. Kelly, we don't spend a ton of time usually talking about the courses here. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of get the quick and quick and dirty of this. But with this course, I do think that this is incredibly interesting for us to really get into here because it is not – in my opinion, and we don't know, we'll see how this thing goes off. But in my opinion, from everything that I have not only seen from a video standpoint, but read from people who have firsthand accounts, either, you know, the few, the very few members who will actually talk or the people who have been lucky enough to go play with a member out there, by the way, about between 350 to 500 grand initiation fee for the LACC. Mm -hmm. uh, If you want to get in now, it's only $30,000 a year. Once you pay the initiation fee, but you know, if you've got the half milli to, uh, to pay the initiation fee to get in there. Yeah. In your bank. I'm like, I thought the Bel Air country club (laughs) out there was pricey. It's uh, only about 700, 800 members. So they keep it tight out there, which is why I'm saying, I don't think we'll see this course again in the rotation again, maybe in our lifetimes. But one of the things that I think is is very, very interesting about this one, we mentioned the rough different type of grass Mm -hmm. Two, It is looks like this isn't going to necessarily be a place you can bomb and gouge where we've seen it a bunch of the U S opens in the past. It doesn't look like that's going to play that way. We don't have any water, but we do have these Broncos that we talk about, which by the way, if you talk to these people who have played this, it is the reason it's so fascinating is because you can get like four different type of lies right. in these things. And so you don't even know what you're going to get. Sometimes they're kind of sandy, like a bunker. Sometimes they're dried out and you're hitting off concrete. You might be in a, some sort of vegetation if something has grown mm-hmm. out of them and whatever. So you don't even really know what's going on there. Wide fairways, but they slope a lot. So yes. if you're not good yeah. with your placement, whatever. So I do think the course here is just absolutely fascinating to me, which is why I'm so excited. Yeah, about this I think term. that, you know, that's really the Barranca really being the big kind of penalty area that we're likely going to see, as Wes said, no water. So you're not really worried about that at all. It's just if they go into that Barranca, how horrible a lie are you going to have? It could be a nightmare getting out of there. So, yeah, and it is it is interesting. Watch the flyovers. It looks like it's a creek running through the course, right? It's just which, which it is. It's just a dried out mm. creek, pretty much. So it's really interesting looking at that. And then I thought that was a big deal, Matt, when I looked at the uh, the fairways. Like the fairways might be wide, but everything you're hearing from those guys out there is that they are sloped so heavily that you have to hit it in the right spot if you're going to give yourself a decent angle and a decent lie heading into the green. 
And we're looking here at the unique lineup with the five par threes, the three par fives, and then the 10 par fours. And Wes, the other thing that people are going to notice whenever they tune in and watch this tournament, the super interesting layout, as you mentioned, where this thing could play 200 yards shorter. It could play another 100 yards longer, depending on what they do with all these things. But with these par threes, we're going to have a couple of super long ones. We're going to have one of the shortest ones we've ever seen at a U.S. Open. And interestingly enough, you hear these players that have played both and say that both are equally intimidating because Mm -hmm. you don't normally Mm -hmm. play a 280-yard par three in which it doesn't look like you can run it up there. You're going to have to either fly it or lay up on a par three. And then other guys saying, like, you're standing over a 79-yard par three (laughs) at a tee box that you never, like, you never do on tour, right? Like, never are you holding a club in your hand on a tee box for a hole that's 80 yards away. And that's equally as intimidating because you don't know, you're just so unused to doing that. I think that that actually played around 77 yards for the 2013 Pac-12 championship, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was won by Max Homa. More on him later. 124 is the stock yardage, though, this week. But, yeah, you have a lot of long par fours. I think five of the ten are, f- are 490 or longer, a couple of them well over 500 yards. But when I was looking at course correlations here, I mentioned George Thomas. George Thomas also designed Riviera and Bel Air Country Club, but – this course is unlike these other Southern say, California courses. Yeah, I didn't look at Riv really Don't at all. Don't use Riv. Yeah. Don't use Torrey Pines. What you want to use this week if you're looking at course comparisons or correlations, Augusta National I think is very reasonable uh, because of the elevation changes. Southern Hills, which was a recent Gil Hans mm-hmm. redesign at the PGA Championship. A little bit of Shinnecock Hills too, which has been played a couple times for the U.S. Open more recently, 2018, because of a lot of the short grass around the greens, even though Shinnecock more susceptible to win, certainly than LACC. And then Pinehurst number two, because of the Bermuda rough, the last time it was used for the U.S. Open was actually at Pinehurst number two. A little bit of Marion uh, uh, Golf Club, which was also a Hans redesign. So you're tempted to look at the California courses. Don't don't give in to the temptation because there's not a lot of correlation. And, and Max Oma even said himself that, that basically that same thing. I mean, he's a guy right, right, right. He holds a course record here. Has played has played it, but he said, "Hey, I haven't really played it a ton of times recently, and it is extremely different from any mm-hmm. of these other California courses that everybody seemingly wants to compare it to." Right. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting to see all of that. Now we are going to get. 156 golfers teed up here. 60 in ties are going to advance. But one thing to mention here, about 25 to 30 of these probably drawing dead uh, qualifiers that got in, but probably have, uh, you know, sub sub 1% chance, if not 0% chance of actually getting anything done here. So, while it says 156, I kind of capped this more as like, you know, 135-ish type players, 130-ish type players that I was really going into. And that was more from a make-miss-the-cut type situation, different things to factor in uh, along the way where, yeah, a couple of these guys might get lucky and make the cut, but majority of these guys are probably going to struggle out here because I expect that some of these other guys will struggle out here. Now, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about the course here. We got, you know, 30, 39 of the top 40 players. The only one that didn't make it was Will Salatoris due to the injury. West. We know U.S. Opens typically try to play incredibly tough. We think that this one isn't going to be set up like the rest of the U.S. Opens out there. I actually, and again, I'm speculating here, I actually think winning score could be somewhere double digits. I actually think 10, 11, 12 might actually be what we're looking at here. Seeing guys shoot two or three under in a round, I don't think is going to be out of the realm of possibility. The uh, the caddy consensus uh, uh, per uh, friend of the network, Rick Gaiman, who is out there uh, already on the ground, said about six to eight under. I was thinking maybe going in because it's still the U.S. Open, about four or five under. But 
I don't know. I, I think maybe it's been built a little bit too much that we're going to get like an over par score. I don't think so. I think probably somewhere five or six, kind of like what we saw last year at Brookline. Yeah, what are you thinking? A couple of the quotes I was reading too. It, it sounds, I was thinking more like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, maybe 10 yeah. under pushing that range. It, I think it's going to be a great course though. Cause it's sounding like from the guys out there, that they feel like there there's some birdies to make out there, but you're going to also be bogey. You're also going to get the bogey. That's what I. That's why I think that it's it's going to be the the range of score outcomes is so incredibly wide. Where I think the winner could get to ten, mm-hmm. and I think we could see a really good player get cut by shooting eight over over the first two rounds because I think there are birdies, but I also think, think there's doubles out there yes. as well, yep. right? If you get in the wrong positions and don't put yourself in a chance to score with all of this. We're talking about the stats that matter. What did we plug into our models? And of course, we'll run down the odds board and see who is the short shot to take this thing home. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Become a smarter sports better VEASAN Pro subscription. Limited time, you get $9.99 for full access to everything we do. You get the daily pro picks. You get our 24-7 video access, premium analysis from the handicappers and industry experts, and you get tools over on the site as well. Head on over to VEASAN.com slash subscribe to take advantage of that. Matt West and Kelly here for a very special edition of long shots on VEASAN and DraftKings Network as we head towards the U.S. Open. And guys, we've talked a lot about the course, but I think that was rightfully so because this is going to be different from what we've seen in the past. I don't want people heading into this thing thinking that this is a course that we've seen from typical U.S. Open setups. And honestly, even thing that we saw at the, the course we saw at PGA, PGA Championship just a little bit ago. So I just thought that we did very, very well from that. Now, from an odds perspective, we look over at DraftKings. Scotty Scheffler is your short shot. He is now six and a half to one to win this thing. The odds are moving. People are betting this thing. People are paying attention to the odds. Nine to one on John Rahm, 12 on Brooks Kepka, 14 on Rory McIlroy, 16 on Patrick Cantlay, 18 on Xander Schauffele and Victor Hovland, and then a massive jump up to 30 to 1. You start getting into the Cam Smiths and Jordan Spieth and Tyrrell Hattons of that 
of the world. So that is kind of where we sit from an odds perspective. We will talk about more of these players as we get into our picks and even some of these players we didn't get on our cards. I do want to discuss because maybe there was a reason we didn't get on them for whatever reason, or we just couldn't fit them on our card. Listen, mm-hmm. we're not going to bet 15 outrights every week. I thought there were a couple of guys that I was going to be on. And I just didn't have the room for them this week. And so there's always that that comes into play as well. But Kelly, let's kick things off here with what we think. And, and, and listen, guys, we, we build models every single week here on long shots. We try to do the best that we can to take the numbers that the models are spitting out to us, translate that over to the betting market, and figure out if there's any value on any of these guys. I didn't see an incredible amount of value this week on a ton of the bets. I do have some outrights. I did, I did make some plays, but there was not one that – I felt like, oh my God, this is incredibly mispriced. Anyway, whenever the whenever the guys were kind of spit out to me on my model, but what did you? What were you looking at here from from a statistical standpoint? That's interesting because yeah. we'll have to get back to that because yeah. I kind of felt the same way. There mm-hmm. are like, and I think we'll we'll hit this when we go over our bets. But I think all three of us up here have been adding U.S. Open futures mm-hmm. as we've been going the past few weeks here, really since the PGA. So. Um, we'll have to get back to that point, Matt, because yeah, there really w- it wasn't a lot that I ended up adding to my card because of that exact reason. Um, as far as really stats that I was heavily looking at this week and what I factored into my model, a lot of off the tee for me this week and a lot of approach. Um, I really, I'm sprinkling in a lot some other things here, but it, it's really sprinkling in it. I mean, off the tee and good drives gained, fa- you know, fairway accuracy. I think all that stuff's going to be extremely important this week. Um, Not necessarily distance off the tee, but like we talked about a little bit in that first segment, making sure your tee finds the fairway. You're not, you're you're not messing around with that rough or possibly into some dangerous areas, some penal areas off the fairway. So, so Kelly, let's, let's have a round table kind of on that because there has been varying opinions in the industry on how to tackle this. And so for me, you said not so much distance. I factored in no distance at Mm -hmm. all. Wes, what did you do from a distance? Not much for me, a little bit of stroke skating off the tee, which does include distance along with accuracy. But I thought good drives gained uh, Mm -hmm. was going to be a little bit more important this week because you can still miss fairways here and recovers unless you're in the uh the broncos that we talked about in the first segment but i use that a lot in terms of good drives gain i didn't heavily go distance or accuracy just basically being a good driver of the golf ball which uh you know you could use total driving too which i know is kind of like an official pga tour stat that combines distance and accuracy so there's a lot of way I think to attack off the tee but I didn't use a lot of distance yeah because this and that's what I think it does Kelly also make this different from some of these other tournaments specifically U.S. Opens we have seen like the last five six U.S. Opens become you know bomb and gouge yeah. if, if you could hit it a long way it didn't matter if you hit it in the rough it would be it was better to be down there and then you kind of go about it from there I don't think this course is going to play that way. I could be proven wrong. I don't think that course is going to play this way. So I didn't factor in distance and I'm talking at all, like not one yeah. single thing, which will be evidenced in my, this my isn't going right? to be wing foot like yeah. from a couple years ago where that was another hands redesign where it was really bomb and gouging. You saw a lot of big hitters on that leaderboard. Yeah, that was what I did with it, Matt, is I did a little bit of distance, but like you said, Wes, it's mean, I, it strokes more strokes gains off the tee just in, mm-hmm. in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then good drives gain. I did a little bit of distance only because what you often bring up, Matt, is the 
just as a separator. I want to see where guys sure. wake on it just as a little bit of a separator because we're still talking anytime you can gain on distance, you're going to have a little bit easier approach shot than most of the rest of the field coming in on that second shot. It was interesting because so. that is normally the tiebreaker for mm-hmm. me. And this week for me, the tiebreaker, Wes, was more what what guys do around the green and scrambling right. because okay. that right. was that was more the tiebreaker for me this week. Now, it is eight times out of ten distance because, again, I longer is better. Typically, you know, longer is always going to be better. But for me, I think there might be some separating coming on with what these guys are able to do around the green and kind of, kind of scramble because these greens, while they are large and whatnot, we do think that this course, again, think that this course is going to be firm, fast, yes. hard. Holding them might not be as easy yep. as we think, even though they are large and all that. So I, I kind of wanted some guys that if they find themselves in these tricky spots and have to be creative with some of their, you know, kind of these getting back in and even saving par, which is, I think is going to be important mm-hmm. as well this week. That was my separator this week. What did you look for from an approach and around the green standpoint? Yeah, Russ? approach just in general. And then I did proximity gained. Uh, you could do 175 to 200 as well. I did 200 plus. Because I think that you're going to see at least a plurality of these shots either be really long irons, because, look, these par fours are really long, or you're going to see really short ones where you're taking wedges from, like, 100 Mm -hmm. to 125. But I use 200-plus for proximity. In terms of around the green, I did a combo platter, really, of strokes gain around the green, and then scrambling gained on difficult courses and and difficult conditions. Uh, So I used that, and I also did some bogey avoidance because – Pars, look, even though we may we think it's probably going to be an under par mm-hmm. that's going to win the U.S. Open, pars are still good scores oh, yes. at the U.S. Open. Specifically on, on the hard holes. Yes, specifically yes. on the hard holes. And Especially you- 16 through 18 when you got three long par fours in a row to close. You'll take par, par, par on Sunday. It's funny because I did a little bit of both as well. Like I did some aggression and some defense. I also had bogey avoidance in my model, Kelly. Also, But I also looked at it. it birdie or better percentage as well for some guys because (laughs) I want some guys that are not only going to play defensively when they have to and I think that that is a big skill this week knowing when to just kind of take your medicine like I'm not going to birdie this hole. Yeah. What is my best chance of parring this hole? And like, I think I want to know those guys, but also the guys when they look at it and do see that it is a scoring opportunity or the holes present themselves as scoring opportunities throughout the course of the week. I do want the dudes that can be aggressive and go out there and get that birdie whenever they need to. So I did actually factor that in the model as well. Yeah, I, I did. I also looked at kind of just a little factored in a little bit more overall putting and more distance putting than what mm-hmm. I normally do. I did some bent grass as well. Yeah. What you call distance putting. Approach putting right, is yeah, what right. I've seen it referred to, and that is your lag putting yeah. because you're going to have like 60, 70 feet putts, mm-hmm. you know, just barely making the green here. So, no, and, you, and look, what are you looking for the guys? Those, well, it's the two putts instead of three putts, right? So, that's where. I uh, did want to factor that in. It goes back to exactly what you're talking about, Matt, where you're look gaining a stroke on any of these holes is going to be huge. So no matter how you can get it done, whether it's putting it close to the pin and making an easy putt for yourself, or if you're, you know, maybe you're going to put it on a different part of the green. I mean, the green complexes are really fascinating here too. So if you're putting it in a different spot, hopefully you can two putt still get in. Um, so yeah. And like you guys said, scrambling around the green, I did factor that stuff in. Doesn't sounds like not as much as you guys, but of course I did. Um, and then strokes gain part five. I, I, I you know, there's three of them. Um, but I, I'm going to keep going back. I know they're v- vastly different ranges, but still, like I like to see those guys that can score on the uh, on the holes that we think are going to be a little bit more scorable in those par fives. 
Yeah, they're not. None of them are really easy, but they're still where we should see some uh, strokes picked up. Shout out to Fantasy National, Rick Rungood, Data Golf, yep. all of these guys. When we talk about building our models, yes. we are not. Uh, we're not coders over mm-hmm. here, so like we're not. You know, we're not building these things from absolute scratch. We are putting in the values on the stats that are provided to us, and and weighting those in the way that we want to go about kind of approaching this tournament and the golfer and the profile of a golfer that we want to put on our card. But we're not. We're not coding these things, and so just shout out to those guys. We those are at least three of the different places where we actually use the modeling and stuff and use their, their uh, back end for all of these things. So good on, good on those guys. Now, uh, no surprise. I'm sure the same with you guys. I mean, we will talk about all these guys over the next two segments, but you know, it's Scotty Scheffler. It's John mm-hmm. Rom. It's Cantlay. It's where, so if we're talking about like the guys that show up in the top five, six, I think seven, pretty much of every version that I tried to run. I don't know if there was any, crazy outliers for you guys, but it seemed like the usual suspects for me. It kind of fits the pattern because if you look at the U S open in recent years, you're getting high end players. Mm -hmm. I think the only, the last guy outside of the top 30 in the world golf rankings to win was Graham McDowell in 2010 at the Olympic club. So you're looking top 10, top five, top 10, top 20 guys in the official world golf rankings, uh, guys that are in good form. I think it was eight of the last 12 were in the top 15 or better in the official world golf rankings. So it, these guys all at the top fit the profile. Uh, 12 of the last 15 between the ages of 26 and 32. So, Scheffler, mm-hmm. Rom, Cantlay, all those guys fit that profile. Kelly, I can tell you this. The one outlier I would put from a numbers perspective to where the person showed up in my model, this is called a long tease for you guys. You have an outright on. So one of the guys that was an actual kind of outlier in my model for where he shows up in the betting lines. And now I do have a bet on him. I don't have an outright. I do have a placement market bet on him. But stick around and find out who that player is. We'll look at all of the different betting markets you guys can hit when we come back. It is Long Shots here on Visa. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com and check out the current betting splits data. Split match. You want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every game? Well, head on over there. we got DraftKings odds changing every 10 minutes. You can see the changes in all of the action. Betting splits is another way VEASAN's here. To make you a more informed better year-round, VEASAN.com for your betting splits data. Now, want to get right into all of these other markets. We are getting, you know, one of the things we harp on, and if you are tuning in for the very first time, let us go ahead and tell you the way to keep your bankroll healthy in golf betting is to bet other markets outside of outrights. If you are just a very, very casual and you're dipping in for the majors, fine, go at it. I don't care. You can just bet a few outrights and, and have some fun. But if you're actually trying to do this and keep up a golf bankroll, you need to be betting head-to-heads. You need to be betting uh, top 20s, top 40s, top 30s. You need to be betting groups, all of these different things. So let's hit some of these other markets that, that are out there. And Kelly, you know, one of the ones you, you, you dig into, because I know sometimes when we used to do our fun little, you know, drafts and things and, mm. and, and, and play around, yep. there are markets even further deeper into that. Hey, top, you know, country X, Y, Z, continental top, European, top senior player, top lefty, <laughs> top, every, you know, there's all these, all these different markets out there and these are all available over DraftKings. Yeah, there is. Uh, I did play one this week. See Woo Kim. Top South Korean player. Uh, mm. I did play that. Uh, so, yeah, there are – look, there's a ton of other ways to play it. Like you said, we play a lot of finishing position markets, tournament matchups. Those are the big ones we focus on. But I think there's always different ways to uh, – you, you you should definitely be checking out every market available and see if there's a better way to possibly make the same kind of bet. I know Wes does it better than any of the three of us of looking at some of the group ma- you know group mm-hmm. matchups. Um, I rarely ever check those out, and he'll bring up one every once in a while, and I slap my forehead and say, man, I should have looked at that before I made another stupid bet. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I've got a lot of top 20s this week. I'm sure we'll go over and we go over all, all of our bets. But as far as kind of more out there, pro, uh, more of the side props, the only one I made was uh, Siwoo Kim tops, uh, top South Korea. And, and, Wes, one of the things you can do with, like, some of these nationality props mm-hmm. that are out there is – if if you and this doesn't always work out, but I think a lot of the times you can kind of narrow these groups down to maybe two or three guys that yeah. you legitimately think have a chance to do right. well, right? And so what you've then done is kind of shrunk this down into almost a head-to-head, maybe a kind of three ball. But you're getting a better number than you would get if you were playing the typical head-to-head or three ball. And that's kind of how I look at it if I'm ever going to play a nationality prop, which is who do I think from this group actually has a chance to go low in this tournament, actually has a chance to, let's say, top 20 it if I need mm-hmm. to. For, and then you can kind of start to whittle it down from there. Yeah, looking at some of these nationality markets, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, Great Britain and Ireland where you have a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. I think you have like 14 guys. But something like the South African market, you have four players in that market. And a lot of them are not the names because Ustazen's not in the field and Brandon mm-hmm. Grace is not in the field. So you get different guys, you know, and one of the things we look at when we look at the, uh, you know, our guys that pop on our models, like I look at a guy that I don't think is going to win necessarily, but in looking over at our buddy, Rick Gaiman's model, like the uh, top French player. And I even texted with Kelly about this yesterday. I was like, Paul Barjon is the leading guy on approach. Now he's done it mainly right. on the corn ferry tour. Right. And I designated that in my column, but I'm looking at him like eight to one to be the low Frenchman. It's worth a stab when it matches up with your numbers. So I think there's even a couple this week. Cause that, there's even, there's even a few more of these th- this week than normal, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a, a few at you guys. Cause I, I, this is laying some heavy chalk, but I almost think they're worth it. Top Scandinavian. Okay. You have Victor Hovland in there at minus 200. 
Alex Norton, Vincent Norman, uh, and then three guys I can't even pronounce their names are next. Let me one-up you. Okay. What about the top Spanish player? I was going to go there. I was going to go there. Top Spaniard. Because it's, it's a little bit more juice on Rom at minus 295. But it is Sergio and and, and Pablo Larrazabal. Now, Pablo has won a couple times this year, but they've been on shorter courses against much weaker fields. David on the Puig and Alejandro Del Rey. That's the only competition for John Rahm. John Rahm would basically have to withdraw in order to not win this thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. the, I, got, and I got a third one for you. Top Irish. Just Irish mm-hmm. alone. So this is Rory minus 165. Shane Lowry plus 330. Like respectable. Seamus Power, maybe six to one, but then Patrick Harrington, 10 to one, Matthew McLean, 50 to one. Um, I think all of those, I don't know if I'd have a problem with anybody laying the chalk well, in any of those. Well, so you're getting markets. a three ball with Rory against a couple of dudes that are like 70 to one and 175 to mm, yes. one to win the tournament is basically what you're getting with something like that. So that's kind of what we're saying. Yep. If you can look at the different markets and then start to shrink them down and see what the real competition is, maybe you can find some value there somewhere. Also, by the way, yeah. is a live market, the lowest live up. I think there are 15 total mm-hmm. in the field this week. Brooks Kepka, the obvious favorite two to one Cameron Smith, 450, DJ and Bryson six to one and 650 respectively. So you can bet into that market as well. And when we were doing our modeling, we mentioned both Fantasy National and Rick Rungood, Rick Gaiman's site. For the strokes gain stuff, I used a little bit more of the Rick Gaiman stuff mm-hmm. because he includes the live numbers mm-hmm. and some of the DP World Tour numbers. And that's why I got outliers. And that's why in my column, which you can get up now at vsin.com, I had to designate mostly live mostly DP world tour to give these numbers context, right? Let's go to the top of the board here because I do know everyone's outright selections and neither one of us, uh, none of the three of us have Scotty Scheffler or John Rahm or Brooks Kepka on our tickets this week. And for me, this is just nothing more than a numbers play for me. Scotty Scheffler winning this tournament would not shock me in the least bit. We are on a historic run right now from T to green. He can't putt at all, but listen, if he can even just get it back to level putting, he didn't even have to gain Putting. If he can just get back to level, he's going to win this thing by three strokes. But I'm not 100% confident he's going to be able to do that. And so the 650 number doesn't jump out to me. Rom, Kelly mentioned it. You mentioned it before we caught on air. Yeah. It had drifted to 12 to 1 yesterday. Smart betters got in and said, okay, this is enough is enough. That's too much on this guy. He's back down to 9 to 1 now on John Rom and then Brooks sitting at 12 West. I don't know where you kind of sit on these three guys. Me, it was just a numbers deal. It would not surprise me if any one of these three guys won. It's probably likely that you're going to have a final grouping with, or at least final couple of groupings that includes one of the three guys. It wouldn't mm. shock me either. Uh, I just can't get there betting, you know, six and a halfs uh, and nines and stuff like that. Of those top three on the board, uh, if you look at the matchup market, the guy that's getting faded <laughs> a little bit actually is Brooks Kepka. Mm. Now he's matched up against Rom and Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. Right. So you're against the top class there, but you know, because a lot of the casuals, I think, really like Brooks. It's like, oh, Brooksy's back, Brooksy's back, and yeah. he did just win the last major at the PGA. But he's the one of those three getting faded. And uh, actually, uh, uh, I considered, like, I was looking at Scheffler and Rom. I'm like, I can make a case for either one mm-hmm. of these guys. I actually probably, even though Scotty was number one on all the stats, I think that we ran. Of the top two, I would prefer Rom actually this week over Scotty because he does. He does putt well. Now, he didn't putt well the last couple of weeks, but, I mean, he is not on a long-term putting, like, downslide or whatever. And so, he drives it 
just as good. Might be the best driver of the ball out there as far as like trying to hit it where he wants to but hit that's it. That's what I was going to say. The difference between those two, right? He, dri- he drives it so much straighter, right? Yeah. There's not as much movement in that drive. So I think that's important this week. And and so I, I'm with you, Wes. I think if I had to pick one of the two, I would go with a ROM. I'm thinking about adding a ROM top five bet. It's, you're getting over two to one on ROM top five. Mm-hmm. If you can find any of these places, there are shops out there that don't de- that, that don't uh, split up the money on any of the ties that are out there. So if you look around, you can find those. I think that a top five bet on ROM is something that's at least fairly interesting for me anyway. I will, with these guys, Scheffler and ROM, it's those two, not Brooks, not Rory. I'm not really interested in either one of them. But uh, when we get to my outright card, you'll you'll see the way I set it up, Matt, because that was the reason why I brought up ROM. I missed that 12. I'm a little angry about it. The way I've set up my out card, uh, outright card this week, though, it, it is with, I am hoping to get in live with Scheffler and ROM. I held back mm-hmm. plenty to hopefully have that opportunity this week. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a numbers pass for me right now on those guys. But that is going to be part of my strategy. This so week. let me uh, let me just blow up three of your picks real quick yep. before we go to break so that we can kind of put everything in context. They put up these majors well in advance, yes. right? Like normally we're betting golf on a week-to-week basis. The majors, they put up the odds well in advance. You have Cantlay, Victor Hovland, and Tyrrell Hatton on your card at better, at much, not just better number, much better numbers, in, yeah. especially in the case of Hatton, than you can get today. Do those three bets still apply to you at current numbers where we sit with these dudes? Or is this just like, you know what? I really like the number then, not maybe not so much now. Patrick Cantlay, if you're talking 14 or shorter, I no, I don't think I'd be betting that in the outright market. Mm. Uh, Victor Hovland, I think like there's 20s out there. I think I saw a 20 today, like 18 mm. to 20. I don't have a problem with that. Tyrrell Hatton, I am I am very bullish on, just like I have been the past few tournaments with him. Even I saw a 37 to 1 out there on him today. Yes, I would still bet that, Matt. Okay. Glad you brought it up, though, because if I was just creating my card this week, it would be Xander Shoffley, Tyrrell Hatton, Siwoo Kim, and John Rahm. Okay, and yeah. I would have bet that Rom 12 to 1 right off the top. That yeah. would have been my whole card. Right. I, I think if there's any regret that I might end up having, it would be not pulling the trigger on Rom when he started to drift a little bit yeah. yesterday. Um, maybe we get another drift before this thing does tee off, but I doubt it. I think people are probably going to say, like, man, that was way too much to get Rom out to to 12 to 1. Uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because, again, this yes. is a unique circumstance in which you get, you know, odds months in advance as opposed to, you know, on a week-to-week basis where we're typically just firing once these things come out on a Monday. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. You're going to get my full betting card. You're going to get Wes's full betting card. We'll get the rest of Kelly's bets as well. Hopefully, We can keep the heater going here on long shots and continue to put everybody in a position to make some money. Come on back, get all of our picks. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hannah Storm and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show, hosts, and guests, and unlimited access to VEASAN.com slash picks page. You're going to get... Our pro picks, best uh, betting splits, power ratings, 24-7 video access, $9.99 over at vcin.com slash subscribe. Matt, Wes, and Kelly here for the final segment of Long Shots, a very special edition as we head into the U.S. Open on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. Thanks for tuning in, and hopefully we can keep this rolling, fellas. Now, listen, when we lose, we lose. When we win, we win. Fortunately, we've been winning a little bit more than losing here over the last about month and a half. And so hopefully we can kind of keep this going. We put ourselves in good positions, at least at the very least, in placement market bets to keep us even keel or make a little bit of money or be able to hedge off a, a really good position we have on an outright. So hopefully we can keep this rolling. Kelly, we talked about the three bets that you made months or, months or weeks ago. Yeah. Odds have changed. Still like a couple, maybe not one, certainly on not, not, not on the hat. And I guess like I see, I, I do see him as low as like 30 out there. So like that, I think odds getting cut in half. Maybe you wouldn't be jumping up and down about that. But let's talk about the rest of your card real quick. No, I, I look, I think there's th- mid thirties on Hatton. He, he's the one I think I love more than the rest of the guys. When okay. the odds moves. I, I know it's a much bigger odds moves. I understand that. Um, but as far as can't lay down to like, if you're talking 14, um, Hovland, I still like 18 to 20 ish. If you can find him in that range, I still like that. Cantley, I think, is the one I'd maybe shy away from if 14 is the best you're seeing on right now. Terrell Hatton, I saw 35, 37 earlier. I'd still bet, Matt, he is really, he's top, let me pull this up, top five in my last 24, last 36 round models. Uh, I mean, he's great ball striking right now, uh, ranks the low 30s better in every stat category that I modeled this week. So that includes scrambling around the green. He's kind of got that all-around game, and I'm really spiking right now. Recent results, T3, we saw him last week, T3, RBC Canadian Open, T12 at the Memorial, T15 mm-hmm. the PGA, T5 at the Byron Nelson, T3 Wells Fargo, T19 RBC Heritage. This guy had a yeah. top 20 machine Yeah, right I guess my pushback would be I, I like him more in placement market yeah. bets than I do in outright yeah. markets, and certainly at 30 one I don't like him from an outright standpoint but I definitely do like him from from okay. a placement market standpoint. so yeah I added him obviously he's there in mm-hmm. top 20 you'll see and then I bet him in a matchup over Cameron Young who's I he's a pretty strong fade for me this week 
Um, also bet him in a matchup over Fitzpatrick. Not that I hate Fitzpatrick this week. I just kind of thought wrong person favored there mm -hmm. uh, for me. Xander Shoffley, I did bite on a 21 to 1 here in town. I know a lot of places he is in the teens. I, that's another one. I, it's, a, it's a pretty close call on the odds. But over 20 to 1, I was willing to willing to add him this week. Um, man, you would think it's coming for some at some point in the uh, uh, for this guy here soon in one of these majors, but top four in every single model that I ran. Last 36 rounds, fifth in approach, 10th in good drives, fifth in bogey avoidance, recent results, T24 Memorial, T18 PGA, second at the Wells Fargo, fourth at the RBC Heritage, T10 at the Masters, T19 uh, at the players. So top 20 outright on him. Um, top 20, I, I know we're a little short on time, so I did top 20 on Cantley. I still like that bet. Uh, obviously, I made, I made all my top 20 bets today, actually. So these all I still stand by and like. Cantley, Shoffley, Hovland, Hatton. Hovland's a guy we haven't talked about uh, as much. Obviously, the last time he was out there, though, he won. Um, Siwoo Kim, it was a guy I know you brought up earlier, uh, Matt, but he spiked high. He was 10th in my last 12-round model. Uh, he was fifth in one in my last 16 round model. Siwoo Kim, uh, you know me, I like him a lot. Great ball striker. If he can catch hot uh, putting here this week, definitely a guy uh, to look out for. He's gained putting once in his past nine tournaments. The one time he did, Matt, he finished T2. So like that is one where I see Woo, if he can putt it all this week, he's looking good. Matchups real quick. Again, Hatton over Cameron Young. I played Rom over Rory. I didn't think that separation was big enough. Minus, minus 120, I was let, willing to wait, lay it with Rom. Eric Cole's a guy we've been betting often. Uh, minus 115 over Lucas Herbert. Air Bear, Air Bear. Uh, Matsuyama, minus 110 over Ka Cameron Young. I like Matsuyama this week. I might add a little bit more to him in another market or more matchups. Justin Rose, minus 110 over uh, Jason Day. Hatton, plus 110 over Fitzpatrick. And that Siwoo Kim top South Korean player. Wes, let's get to your best. Let's try to squeeze everything in here. Okay, if we can. Uh, uh, three chalks, three mid ranges, mm -hmm. and two bombs on the outrights. Uh, uh, placements and other matchups. Props will be available later at the week at vsun.com. My last ad, actually, the shortest price, Rory McIlroy, 14 to 1. Uh, look, he's faded the last two Sundays, but he's still got three straight top 10 finishes dating back to the PGA. This is a course that I think is going to reward the artist maybe a little bit more than the scientist. So Rory at 14. Can't lay I have at a little better number. 17, I still think, is fair. I actually think he's been getting criticized for slow play. I think the slow play is going to benefit Can't lay this week because this is the U.S. Open. Everybody plays yeah, slow yeah. at the U.S. Open. So Good he's point. got Joe LaCava now on the bag. Had him for the last month. Tiger's old uh, former caddy. It's about time for Patrick Cantlay to really contend in a major. I think this is the week. Victor Hovland, 19-1, to broke his maiden at the Memorial a couple weeks ago. And I think he's been a big game hunter in these tournaments uh, with top tens in each of the last three majors. I think he's got that monkey off his back now. So Victor at 19 to one Max Homo who does have the course record here. 61, uh, 33 to one. And he fits the narrative street where he's kind of obvious, but so was Matt Fitzpatrick last year, having won the U S amateur and the U S open on the same course. So I'm still going to take home at 33. And for those that say, I don't have any live players. Here's one for you. How about Bryson DeChambeau, 48 to one three-time winner on Gil Hans redesigns. If you look at how he played at the PGA was second in the field, total driving wasn't the typical bomb and gouge though. He's also second in GIR and 15th on approach complete game starting to come back. He's got a couple top tens recently to surround that PGA finish on live. Uh, just don't do any interviews with CNN and talk about any past events uh, like he did last week and he'll be okay. 
Ricky Fowler, 58 to one. The form is really good. I think Ricky's going to win here in the next couple months. Maybe it's this week. He's a California guy like Homa is. And of course, can't lay. And then the two bombs. How about Mito Pereira, 120 to one. He's been out of sight, out of mind because he's on live right now. But six are better in four of his last seven starts. Fourth over the last 36 rounds on strokes gain approach. And then a guy that's played this course pretty regularly, Sahith Figala. 120 to one. He is a California guy, 19 straight cuts. He's made, including a ninth at the masters where he was the low debutant. And he's kind of like Rory, where I talk about imagination and creativity in terms of play. He really fits that. And then uh, you see the matchups there. Neiman over Burns, McElroy over Kepka. Kepka Rory, by the way, is what convinced me to play him. He's been getting backed in the matchup market pretty much across the board, even against the elite this week. I have him over Kepka, DeChambeau over Reed and Wyndham Clark over Corey. Corey Connors and more to come later this week at Beeson.com. Yeah, check on over there. Wes yeah. will always add to his best bets. For me, I do share a couple with you guys, and I'm actually on a couple of fades of guys that you like. Uh, Xander Schauffele for me, me and Kelly share that. I didn't get as good a number as you did. I got 19 to 1 on him. This is a guy that it's eventually going to happen, right? And you look, he checks every single box. He's the guy that we talk about when you enter these tournaments that does everything really, really well, doesn't do anything exceptional, and maybe this might be the type of setup. This course, this tournament might be the type of setup that as long as you are plus in everything, even though you don't have to be plus plus yeah. in yep. something, that might all add up to a win here. So really do like Shoffley. Really, it showed up top, in every single version of anything that I ran at multiple sites. I run models on all three different sites. Like, it was inside the top five in just every single thing that I possibly did. Maybe my favorite bet of the week is Jordan Spieth at 27 to 1. Jordan Spieth, under the radar, has actually really done really good this year. I mean, look, he hasn't won anything, which is why maybe the accolades haven't started, you know, the at least the love for Jordan Spieth. T6 Waste Management, T4 Arnold Palmer, T3 Valspar, T4 Masters, second outright at the RBC Heritage, T5 at the Memorial. The guy has passed some very, very high finishes here, and more than anything, <laughs> he's hitting it straight. He is straight off the tee, and I have factored that in a lot this week. I made the Max Homa bet oh, a while ago. It's the only one that I made heading in. If I had cash out option here in Vegas, I'd probably do it. I don't really love it anymore. Uh, I don't like Max's form, but it's in the account as it is already, so can't take it out of there. Colin Morikawa, 38 to 1. I took more at 40 to 1 this morning. Number one in this field in those super long approaches, like you mentioned, uh, Wes, that it, we've been looking at the 200 plus. Number two in the 100 to 125, which is the other bucket we were kind of looking at. Tenth in good drives the last 24, and actually 17th in that lag putting that we think is going to be also important this week. Uh, Colin Morcow, by the way, two strokes off the lead. The Memorial had to re- had to withdraw. If he'd have gone on to win that thing on Sunday, this number would be half of what it is right now. So I'll take it. A couple of bombs here. I don't think they'll actually win. These are more like placement market type guys that I like. But Wyndham Clark, Mito Pereira, and Eric Cole, all guys that I went ahead and do, did a sprinkle of an outright on. But it's more, I'm more, way more heavy on these guys in the yeah. placement markets than I am from anything else. I think the numbers on all three of these guys don't really match up with the skill and the form that they are in right now. So again, Wyndham Clark. A guy, if you kind of take a look here, the numbers are really, really good for him as of late. Mito Pereira, all the stuff that Wes said. And then Eric Cole, just a guy under the radar that continues to produce week after week after week. Top 20 on Justin Rose, top 30 on Russell Henley and Siwoo. Yeah. And a top 40. I had to just list it because that's where I'm really heavy here on Eric Cole. I think that at plus 140 number, I have Bryson to miss the cut. Uh, at plus 178, 
I think this is not going to work out well for Bryson this week with the way that he plays and Eric Cole to make the cut at minus 150. Thanks for joining us on VEASAN and the DraftKings Network. Stick around for sharp money here on VEASAN. And if you're over on DraftKings Network, Ross Tucker up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.